Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. Today's show is all about the movement to put some legs under the goals that needed to be obtained for Archer's well-being. And that included some early steps towards integration when a life-changing event was becoming accepted. While a spinal cord injury may set a person and a family back years or even decades, steps taken towards new normalizing are huge steps for anyone still going through a crisis but beginning to climb out. And those steps may not be what the medical experts or the rehabilitation experts prioritize. Come along with me as we focus on something that might be a surprise to you in spinal cord injury rehab. How to get an education while in SCI rehab, which is a critical decision for a child or young adult in the middle of high school or the college years or even graduate school. Did you know our podcast sponsor, the 501c3 nonprofit I See That? The Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation is now the blink of an eye nonprofit. And Blink of an Eye is on social media. You can find out more about the Blink of an Eye initiatives, trauma healing, engagement opportunities, and more. Blink of an Eye nonprofit is servicing spinal cord injury families in the crisis hours and days immediately following injury, when their lives are turned upside down, potentially forever. Hear about the Blink of an Eye cutting edge relational approaches to trauma healing, medical navigation, and emotional and spiritual support. If you are interested in volunteering or becoming part of the Blink of an Eye support teams in any way, fill out an information form at blinkofaneye.org. If you want to engage with a financial contribution, you can do that too at blinkofaneye.org. Or check out their launch campaign underway now at givebutter.com slash blinkofaneye. Follow Blink of an Eye on Instagram at blinkofaneyenonprofit and on Facebook at the URL facebook.com slash www.blinkofaneye.org. Links to those platforms will be in the show notes. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 20, School in an SCI Rehab Facility. We were already into October, and school back home was well underway, and Archer wasn't in any classroom or on any soccer field. There were many logistics to sort out as we thought about going home soon. So much to learn. Enormous financial decisions to be made. 
equipment to be chosen and purchased, and there were major home renovations to figure out. But what loomed large was whether Archer would breathe on his own or not. Time was of the essence. The longer a person is on a ventilator, the less likely it is they will get off. We needed more time at Shepherd to get Archer off the vent because I felt it would never happen at home or in a long-term acute care facility, which was under discussion. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you had a dream, but you were in a big system that unintentionally did not support your dream? That is ironically what we were beginning to realize was happening at Shepherd, both regarding Archer's breathing and his schooling. The medical professionals were prompting Archer to go to another facility to rest and reserve his energy and to defer his high school education for a year or two and to do rehab as much as he could, and maybe not at Shepherd. But Archer was clinging to his two goals, to do what it would take to increase his lung capacity and to graduate from high school with his class, and to do therapy, to get some arm strength. It's true, though, that it's hard to be committed to physical rehabilitation and to be committed to schooling and an education. They both take full dedication to make progress, and that was becoming clearer and clearer to us at Shepherd. So it was a major choice. I wonder what you would have done if you were in Archer's situation. You'll hear about our efforts and Shepherd's efforts to provide a semblance of what Archer would have been learning in school and what he needed to learn now that he was disabled for when he was out in the real world. You might be surprised to hear what Shepherd provided. You might also be surprised by what was possible, which might give you a spark of creativity if you or someone you love faces a long-term crisis in your life during a critical time in their education. And you might think about what you call upon for your rock as you move through hard times. Well, Archer made a discovery, and so did I. Yep, these big moments in our lives are really just big movements in our lives, sometimes propelling us forward in gigantic leaps. In this episode, you'll hear from Heather Robinson, a sixth-grade teacher in the town where Archer had his injury. You will learn how she and her students became part of our story, too, in a significant way, as you'll hear about in future episodes. And you'll also catch a glimpse of the ineffable healing power of community, art, and learning. Heather's story may inspire you to think about the ways you use your talents to do the same thing for someone in your world who is battling something very large and difficult. 
to overcome. And you may realize how you have contributed to another's healing in a way you may not have realized. So settle in. Take a deep breath and ground yourself in the knowing that these words and ideas are reaching your full being, not just your thinking mind, but your full breathing, loving body. Here we go. October 15th, Day 72, Friends and Family Update. There is something called a discharge date. It's never really set so far, but it looms on the calendar of events here. I can't fathom what that would look like, but part of the program here also involves wedged into the already packed schedule going to more lectures on family training and going to be fitted for a power chair, which is like buying a new car, but even more expensive. There are many to choose from. As Archer and I entered the wheelchair fitting floor at Shepherd, truly like a car dealership floor, there were maybe 12 to 15 to look at different models all different. They're all customized, built with parts from the U.S. and Canada. I learned that we had to insure a company that had a service center in Maryland, too. It was determined that Archer will need a model that has both a sip and puff capability, as well as a hand lever, as his left arm is truly getting stronger and the splint in his arm can work the lever as he moves his shoulder. Well, that narrowed things. There were only two companies to choose from. Fine with me. Please, make this selection process easier. He was measured and asked his preferences on whether one monitor or two and space for his portable vent and oxygen tank. Etc. When it came time to pick a color, I guessed what Archer would pick. While he loves color and loves to draw with a lot of color, he likes basic black for his equipment. I knew this, and that's what he wanted for his computer, and so it was with his power chair. Matte black, it is. I had to also, in a different meeting, choose a shower chair, which is also specially built for paras and quads. Indeed, it would be impossible for any quadriplegic to ever have a shower without a special shower chair to be lifted into. But oddly, they're not covered by insurance at all. And that's so weird to me. Mental note, we have to find out more about that later as to why, and do something about that. Then there was this Shepherd staff member who was actually a van consultant. I'm not kidding. He gave us a private presentation. My goodness, 
what to do, what to do. It's really amazing to me that two months in from one of these injuries, you're asked and expected, it's certainly not unreasonable, but it's just amazing, to essentially design, engage, and project manage your house construction project to accommodate your loved one with ADA requirements and personal preferences that we don't even know yet, but still need to construct for and to buy a new or used customized van or have one built out and to buy a new customized power chair. Would you believe power chairs cost $30,000 to $80,000 to meet with ventilator supply companies and then also decide which generator and company to use to answer the calls of the insurance folks and remain in a limbo status whether we have coverage or no coverage for his insurance claim preparing to challenge going through the process of SSI and all that paperwork and still be available for all day hands-on training and on call 24-7 for Archer. And of course, stay in contact and connected with family members and work the regular day job at home. It would not be possible without God. It would not be possible without you. What would we do and where would we be without you, the archangels, are humbled by all your support? Thank you. Personal journal note. I never really knew the archangels before this last couple weeks. I know Archangel Gabriel, the messenger, appeared to Mary to tell her she would give birth to Jesus through the Immaculate Conception. And she said, yes. And I have always wanted to be like Mary, to say yes to whatever God places before me. And even though I struggle with that, it has inspired me since I've been a very young child. Then there's Archangel Michael, the protector, whom we've all heard of. But I didn't really have a relationship with him until here at Shepherd. I call upon him all the time when Archer is gagging and heaving forward. Please, Michael, protect him. But I'm really just learning about Raphael. Archangel Raphael, the healer. I love Raphael. I call upon him all the time for my family. They're all so strong, these archangels, and we need them all. I'm so happy I know of the archangels. Their strength and their fierce love of God and what is good is so inspiring to me. I want to be in right relationship 
with all of God's creatures and angels. Help me, Lord. Please help me. October 15th, p.m. Family and Friends Update. I don't think I shared with you all about three weeks ago, we worked out that Archer will have school. Well, Shepard seems not too keen on the schooling part now. I understand their point of view, that it's plenty for Archer to just stay focused on rehab, as that is hard. Is it ever? Archer is wiped out and falls asleep through dinner. And what I thought could be nightly homework is more like a couple nights a week. His sleepy nights have become longer and better, albeit always punctuated by the turnings and occasionally punctuated by the inexiflator. The amazing inexiflator. It's doing the trick. But I know Shepard is right to some degree. There's only so much energy to go around. But you know, the more I really think about that, the more I'm not so sure I completely agree. Energy, after all, is infinite. Like love, there's always enough to go around. An archer is energized by learning and drawing. Personal journal note. I have made so many phone calls to friends in education, the administrators and teachers at Archer's High School, and a local high school here in Atlanta to try to coordinate a curriculum for Archer. It ain't easy because he's AP in so many subjects and needs a teacher to teach him higher math, higher English, and other subjects. And I don't know how to get those teachers here. But I'll figure it out. I cannot let this semester slip away from Archer. He told me very resolutely he wants to graduate on time with his friends. He will. I'm learning that his education is going to be something we just have to make happen ourselves because it's not part of what Shepard does. We will make it happen. Please, Lord, help guide me. Mary, I need to feel your arms around me. As Archer sleeps now, I have so much on my mind. I watch these monitors like a hawk every night, just as I think you would do with your son Jesus. I mean, I don't mind these monitors, even though the light is so harsh. But they tell me my boy is alive, and I can anticipate what he needs before the alarm bellows. I know he will breathe on his own. I know he will return to school. I believe that. But please give me a sign. Please, Mother Mary, give me a sign that we are on the right path. October 13th, We Hours, Family and Friends Update. 
Just the prospect that we were looking for teachers was energizing for Archer. While he's generally not the bouncy type, as you know, he is energized as I see the light in his eyes and he talks spontaneously. Yes, it's also a little tricky to give Archer schooling here since all of his classes are AP, including his drawing course. But where there's a will, there's a way. After all, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And we are tough. At least I pray we are. When we first received the schedule of all the various therapies every day, schooling was not on the schedule. And I must confess, I pressed to get school on the schedule as soon as we got over to the rehab side. The school coordinator seemed pleased we were interested, she herself being a former English teacher, and she taught an AP course in her past. Well, I recruited her quickly as a teacher for Archer in AP English, and she was excited. But it was clearly up to us to create a schooling opportunity. I got the message loud and clear. But Archer's message to me, loud and clear, was that he wants to graduate with his class. We will make that happen. Even if we lose the better part of a school year, or take a gap semester, or have to cobble together the year with work over the holidays and summer, we will do it. So we obtained the curricula from his courses at McDonough, and I've been hunting down local teachers. To believe the most extraordinary thing happened. <laughs> of course you would, because we're believers. Well, the former director of the math department at Emory University has volunteered to teach Archer AP Calculus. And the headmaster of Pace High School here in Atlanta, who also teaches AP American government, has offered to Archer to attend his class. And short of that, that he would videotape his lecture classes for Arch. It's incredible. People are so kind. I'm not sure what we're going to do about AP biology and Spanish. Still working on that. So a few weeks into it, Archer loves his schooling, especially calculus. Okay, it looks like this. Archer sips and puffs his way down the hall in his power chair to the teaching room. It's an empty white room with a large whiteboard. He has a portable ventilator machine hooked to the back of his chair. A respiratory therapist, or I follow, with the lung suction machine on a rolling table in case he can't breathe because of a mucus plug. Archer parks his chair in the middle of the room in front of the whiteboard. The professor stands in front of the whiteboard with the dry erase marker in hand, putting up all kinds of formulae on it. And he and Archer go back and forth about problems and so on. Archer can't talk, but he blinks his eyes and nods. The professor leans in a bit as if to listen to the blinks and keeps on going. 
as if there's nothing unusual. You could hear a pin drop as his squeaky marker writes more numbers and equations on the board. And he pauses to see if Archer is following. And Archer nods. It's an amazing sight to behold. Archer weight shifts and the professor keeps on teaching. Archer was given a verbal test in English and he knew every single answer regarding Oedipus. He had watched it at night on a YouTube she assigned and he and his teacher had discussed it. It was then on to Hamlet. Archer is intense and only has to hear or see something once, it seems, to remember it, by and large. So he did well. I'm so happy for him. I think he was pleased, too, when he heard that the McDonough class was doing Hamlet and would return to Oedipus. So he felt he was ahead. Well, whether he is or not, it was good to see him caring a lot about school. I also know that, hard or not, learning is a place of comfort for him, and a classroom is where he is also in a comfort zone. And we could use a little more of that, frankly, here. Well, as for art, the art teacher at Shepherd came by last week, and she and Archer took to each other right away. He was more animated with her than with anyone I've observed. He was talking about preferences of medium, well, you know, mouthing. And I showed her some of Archer's artwork I have on my phone. She ordered a stylus for Archer for the OT to place in his mobile arm support and some paper. No idea how that is going to work, but the thought of it is very promising to Archer. It's so hopeful. So... Yes, these areas take energy. Okay, they do. And yes, he is wiped out at the end of each day. And yes, he has staccato sleeping all night long from the suctionings or the turnings or the program. But school and art really help Archer overall. Even if they do take energy, they also give energy. There is a reciprocity there, right? I mean, think of something you care about and the energy you put into it. It might be sports or gardening or housework or yard work or running or volunteering. Yes, it takes energy, but it also gives back so much, doesn't it? and you feel good. Well, that's what these snippets of classroom time give Archer. Let's all be committed to learning, whether in a classroom or out in the field of life. Education is so very, very important to our well-being. It's the secular way out of despair, I think. Well, the quickest, cheapest, and most reliable way out of despair, of course, is faith in and a relationship with God. But education is the secular version. It's why 
I think it's so hard for so many academic types to pray and believe in God. Education and the pursuit of knowledge has replaced God in most universities. I wonder what you think about that. It's an incomplete understanding because it's God who gave us our intellect. And I don't ever want to lose sight of that. So thank you, Lord, for our intellects. Education is the means, not the end. God is the Alpha and the Omega. I want to pause here a moment in the story to tell you a little more about the behind the scenes. The math professor was a volunteer who came to us from a seven-degree connection to folks in Atlanta whom I had called, and they in turn had put out the word for an AP math teacher. It was truly quite extraordinary, because unlike the physical therapy sessions that were scheduled for 50 minutes, 35 minutes of which Archer was regularly needing to be suctioned, so all the PT stopped, and then the timer would go off, metaphorically, and the session would be over. So Archer received very little PT, and rarely a full session. But the math teacher, he was different. I would sit in the corner on a small metal chair I'd brought in from the gym as I held Archer's oxygen tank as he was still on 100% oxygen. When he needed to be deep suctioned during the classroom time, the professor patiently waited, even when it was quite grueling and awful to watch. And then he would continue, as if nothing had happened. And some of the sessions were long, because he stayed. He was remarkable. But I have something else to share with you these many years later. In reflecting with Archer about the professor from Emory University and the B.C. calculus he was teaching Archer, Archer told me something I found profound that I had not ever known. You see, while I was marveling about the willingness of a learned man, a stranger, to volunteer his talent to come to the Shepherd Center to teach Archer so he didn't fall behind in school, and marveling about the delicate interaction between the two of them, which was a memory I shall never forget. Archer told me that what he recalled most was that it was a turning point in his recovery because he didn't know if I had not told him the whole truth or not about any brain damage. He said it was hard to focus with all the drugs and he didn't remember much of what I did day to day back then. But when the math professor wrote complicated formula on the board and Archer could follow them, he told me it meant to him that he still had the use of his mind when so many other things about his physical reality had changed. You might remember that I had promised Archer back in Atlantic Care that I would not keep anything from him. It's true, a number of SCI accidents do entail traumatic brain injury. 
You might also recall in the story, back at Atlantic Care, how I asked for films of Archer's brain to know if he were brain injured, as no one was willing to tell me either. I was told we had to wait and see. So I was unsure, and I was scared. But it was Dr. Ray Tolucci who allowed me into his workspace to see the x-rays and the CAT scan towards the end of our 30-day stay in the ICU that showed Archer was not brain damaged. I had relayed that to Archer back then on a number of occasions, encouraging him that he had a future ahead of him with what he loved, school and art. So it had never occurred to me that Archer, as I had been, had been living with his own uncertainty. When he shared with me that there was this moment when the math professor put a complicated equation on the whiteboard and stood quietly allowing Archer to puzzle it out in his head. And when he did so, that Archer said that was a defining moment for him. When he felt he had a future. And in all the 24-7 bedside time that Archer and I had together for months, I had never known what had been so weighing on his mind the whole time. He needed proof. (laughs) Of course he did. He's a mathematic guy. Archer also reminded me years later, as we talked about this defining time for him, about education and rehab, and that he was essentially choosing to work towards breathing on his own and continuing his education over physical therapy, and that he was okay with this. These are profound decisions that are quite personal for a young person in high school facing a life of quadriplegia and the reality of just being a kid in high school and wanting to be around your friends. He told me he felt he would have his life ahead of him to do physical rehab, but that he could not go back and redo high school with his friends. Well, something else I had forgotten that was kind of funny, but not funny, if you know what I mean, was that the AP English teacher that Shepherd Center had found for us, who wanted to teach Archer Shakespeare, came to his hospital room with some books and a syllabus with chapters bookmarked for him to read. And she left the books by his bedside. And I remember now so clearly the look that Archer and I exchanged, like, what was she thinking? Well, he, of course, had no ability to pick up a book and read it. But when she left, I do remember asking Archer if he would like for me to read the chapters to him. But it was he who mouthed to me that we could find Shakespeare on British television. And we did. And when the teacher came back a week later to quiz Archer on Hamlet, she asked him if he had had a chance to complete the reading, still not being able to wrap her understanding around what it meant to be a quadriplegic. And this experience was a pattern that we repeated with many teachers as the time progressed. 
And as a side note, it was this barrier that had Billy and me do a real pivot where we would rip apart any books assigned to Archer, gently and with a razor blade, page by page, and take a photo of each page front and back and put them all into a digital document that he would later command with his voice on a computer. There were no Kindles of textbooks, at least back then. But back to the blog and the story and what other education was being provided for Archer while at the Shepherd Center. Another of the persons Shepherd sent was an ADA teacher to us. Archer was quizzed on parking spaces and public access and what to expect, what is legally required and what is not legally required on handicapped parking and access. As a lawyer, I was fascinated. It was interesting. But as the lesson was being taught to Archer, I felt this wave of sadness come over me. I get them often when I leave Shepherd to go to the condo and take a shower. And I see young people walking or biking. And I think of how much Archer loved to bike. My last encounter with my sweet boy was on the morning of August 5th when he sped off on his red fat tire bike which Petey had won at a bar giveaway in College Park where he was headed for a day of work cooking at the beach club. Arch loved that bike. But as for this particular wave of sadness I was having as I listened to the ADA overview, my sadness was related to times with friends. For me, with friends around the country and the world because of my work, there is nothing so sweet than to spend time in the homes of my friends when traveling. You get the full sense of someone when you're with them in their home, it seems to me. I realized it's highly unlikely that Archer will be able to spend time at most of the homes of his friends. They won't have houses to accommodate his power chair. I mean, heck, we're having the dickens of a time figuring out how to make accommodations to our own house. And I now know that most houses, unless they have no more than a three inches lip or absolutely zero steps and ledges, will not be places Archer will be able to go. Isn't that a heartbreak on top of it all? I mean, sure, there is school and public places like government buildings. But by and large, Archer's experiences at the homes of friends will be vastly limited. That fact hit me like a ton of bricks because home is so important. And that wave, now almost two weeks ago, influenced Billy and me a lot and what we hope to create for Arch at our home. If Archer can't go to friends' houses, we will create a space 
where friends can come to Archer's house. Personal journal note. There's a nurse here who's so wonderful. Her name is Amy Tarnoski. I want to remember her. She loves Archer, and she's tall and beautiful and athletic and full of life. Well, I love her because she loves Archer. But she says she won't be at Shepherd much longer. I asked her why. She said it's too hard and there aren't any breaks. Mm. I nodded. She said it's very physical and that she needs time to rest her body. It made me wonder about the huge Hoyer lift in the ceiling that we used to crane Archer out of his bed and into his power chair. I mean, I thought that would help a lot. I asked her where she was going. She said she didn't know. We have many nurses here. They are in constant rotation. It makes it hard to build much relationship because we don't see any for too long. I'll miss Amy. I wonder what the average length of stay is here for a nurse. It is hard work. Personal journal note. Archer's room has constant litter in it. Makes me crazy all the debris and trash that builds up on the floor. Every time he is suctioned, it's a new package of gloves and French tubes and suction tube, and everything has to be sterile. So everything is packaged in paper and plastic, and it's all over the floor when they open it and tear it off. And even those little light pink plastic tea tops that they rip off the saline tubes, like wax bottle candies, they're littered on the floor too. It's often just a mess. So I'm cleaning it up constantly. I don't mind the cleaning, but it makes me mad they're so careless. I mean, the trash can is at the end of his bed, which they could use. But they don't. It feels like they don't care. Archer has to live here in this room. Personal journal note. I don't get why it gets under my craw, but it makes me so mad that every day Archer's cubby of clothes has to be straightened at least three or four times because the nurses' aides, they're careless. And the laundry staff just dumps the clean laundry on the wrong shelf or the drawer on top of all the jars and bottles of stuff we need for Archer's chest and skin. Chest feels negligent because when Archer needs something quickly for his breathing, what we need is not where it should be. I want to say something, but it feels petty. But it's not petty when his health depends on it. Amy often helps me organize all the items for Archer's care in the right order. I appreciate that about her. Personal journal note. I learned that the woman they call Dr. L and rely on so much for the mental health needs is no more than a counselor. Yeah, 
the woman Shepard seems to rely on so much for all the mental health recommendations for all the young adults here on the unit, was recommending Archer be on more Remeron to boost his appetite to rev him up. Well, I learned that Remeron is a narcotic. She also recommended another drug to add to all the others he's on because she told me he was depressed. Well, I disagreed, but I'm doubting myself because I could tell by the way she looked at me that I just don't get it. I mean, okay, they do have expertise, I do not. But I have expertise, they do not. I know my son. After the nurse's aide left the room the last few mornings after dosing Archer with various pills, he glanced at me to come over. He had held them in his cheek and spit them out. And he mouthed, I don't want them. Well, something in my body was telling me that that woman did not know what she was talking about. I know Archer has a lot he could be depressed about. I mean, who wouldn't? But I see how he lights up when the math teacher comes and the art teacher. He's not depressed. I went and asked around about the woman. She's not a doctor. She's not even a PhD. I don't know why they call her doc. What a crock. She's a counselor. I mean, I'm sorry, but a counselor is not going to decide if my son takes narcotics. Archer hates being loopy, and when he has to start his day loopy, I know he doesn't like it. I don't like it at all either. It's a battle with Shepard to get him off the narcotics. And honestly, I feel that they've been given without my full consent. I also think they're interfering with his bowels. It's not rocket science. And now they want to give him even stronger repositories? It's a vicious cycle. I'm getting him off this drug merry-go-round. Makes me mad. But I'm not sure how to do it. Personal journal note. While I was praying the rosary, the funniest thought popped into my head. Cards. I thought of card games like I used to play as a little girl like Go Fish, and card games I used to play with my brother Tripper, like Blackjack. Our life here at Shepherd is such a complex dance of knowing when to hold them and when to fold them, and when to ask for a new hand, and when to bow out of the game entirely for a while. It's all in play for me, and I'm gambling here at the high-stakes table Continuing to think big, but the cards might not be going my way. This analogy is perfect. It also scares me. Help me, Mary. Help me discern between faith and trust in you and Jesus and a mere game of chance. I don't think anything is random. Friends and family update. Archer, 
get some of the most remarkable gifts. His room is full of interesting CDs and prayer cards and tons of sports apparel. But this box of books arrived today. No kidding, about 15 of them. They're homemade picture storybooks made by the sixth grade class in Cape May, New Jersey. The teacher sent a note explaining that each little book was made just for Archer to cheer him up and that the class chose to adopt Archer as their project for the year. <laughs> Isn't that the best? These books are amazing. I've started reading them to Archer. He just wants me to show him one or two at a time. I think he wants to savor them. He smiles and closes his eyes and seems to truly take them in fully. Well, each book starts with To Archer from so-and-so. We hope you get better. We are here for you. We are praying for you. Work hard, buddy. And I love the one that says, We are breathing for you. Each book then is a story. Looks like written by one child and illustrated by another. Straight out of a sixth grader's imagination. A couple of the books from the boys are hilarious. That made us laugh. They're so imaginative with zany illustrations. And some are sweet. The ones from the girls with bows and lollipops. And drawings of hearts and archer strong arrows around breathing machines and then balloons for success. Well, one book is all crosses and we believe in you, Archer messages. And another has illustrations of a boy painting and a lacrosse player and a soccer player and all the things Archer is. And one of the books makes no sense to us whatsoever with pages of dark clouds and guns and army guys and tanks. But we like it just the same. Maybe the message is to keep fighting. I hope I get a chance to thank these kids someday. Incredible to take the time to do this in the classroom for Archer. I hope I get to meet and thank his teacher someday. She's given us a real gift. The teacher was Heather Robinson at Cape May Regional Elementary Public School. And years later, I was able to interview Heather about their project. It turns out she was following my friends and family updates back then, the same ones in this podcast story. She would read parts of them to the children in her class. It's another type of education, it seems. But those children could not have known at the time the way those books would inspire Archer's trajectory. And I had no idea the way Archer's injury shaped their lives, too. Let's take a listen. So you had been bringing the children, the sixth graders, along with age-appropriate parts of the blog. And they would ask me, I mean, they would, every day they would be like, tell us 
tell us how's he doing, how's he doing, and you know, I was like, well, I didn't get a chance to read it today, but I'll catch you up, you know, li- you know, tomorrow or later this week. Um, mm-hmm. But they became very attached to his his recovery, I, and I do a community service project every year, and I've done multiple things, and they're all amazing. But I do what I've noticed in reflecting with Archer that the three that have been the most powerful were when there was this human face behind it. And Archer being one of them, there was something special to, to have that humanness behind it. it. You know, it is interesting, isn't it, that what we can read about or hear about, but when there is that human face, that human story, yeah. because as, as humans, right, we have so much in common. <laughs> Right, we're all connected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I had the chance to reach out to two of my students um, that I still have contact with, and the one, um, Jenna, she shared with me how scared she was to meet Archer, how nervous she was, um, and she even said she was like, "Gosh, Mrs. Drummond, I was so young and naive." Um, oh, is she saying that now? That's so precious. Let's see, how old is she now? She's a junior now. She's a junior now in high school and looking back to when she was in sixth grade. I know. And she was like, so what did she say? She said, I was so young and naive. Yeah, and scared and nervous. And she said, oh, I just wanted to make his day. I just wanted to make him happy. Um, oh. Yeah, and then I just asked her, so now looking back at your age, you know, anything, you know, that you thought for today, and she said, he just inspired me. She said, you know, he had such a great future and then the accident and yet she said he never stopped dreaming. He just he kept going. And she just finds that so inspiring. And then I did speak with just my other student, Molly, and um, I'll just read to you what she she actually texted me. She said the project for Archer had a huge impact on my life. Even at such a young age, being 11, it was the first time I had been directly involved to help another person in need. Writing the books for Archer made me realize that the littlest act of kindness from a stranger can brighten someone's day in a rough time. I'm so glad we got to see and hear about his recovery. I still have my Archer's Army sweatshirt, wishing him the best. You know, I will just say that if I had the chance to reach out to all my students, I know they all would have shared the same sentiments. Um, I just happen to have contact quickly with these two. You know, as a teacher, obviously our math lessons and our writing and our reading and all of that is so important, but they won't remember my uh, adding fractions lesson, but they will definitely remember our experiences with Archer. Wow. I know that's probably true because I think we have a heart brain. Yeah. And I, I think what we will we take with us actually when we die is the emotional memories. I know you're right. And so yeah. as teachers, mothers, people living every day to have what we teach most to be from the heart. The intellect is so important, but when that intellect is connected to the heart teachings, oof. My passion is language arts and one of the things when I do my writing lessons one of the lessons is actually teaching kids to find the story from the heart 
Yes. And it's hard at sixth grade. You know, they want to talk about their trip to Disney and the roller coaster ride and all that. But when you find, when they finally find it, uh, I'll tell you, I've been blown away by what sixth grade students can write about. It is incredible <laughs> because I, I just make them go to that. And it's a place that it's very vulnerable. And so it's hard to get them there. But once they do, they, I just got chills again. Um, once they do. I, I'm getting them with you. They're on my arms, all of my arms. They're so proud. They're so proud to share it, even though, you know, it's a hard place to get to. And I, it, it takes a while to create that safe space in the classroom where they feel comfortable to do that. Yes, I'm sure it does. I'll tell you, my heart writings are my favorite. My cousin's son, who at a very young age had been diagnosed with cancer. And so he was who we had made books for years before that. And it just kind of gave me the idea. My kids loved it. They like, absolutely loved coming up with their own stories. And, and so I was like, you know, and Archer was older, but at the same time, I just knew these gifts were going to come from the heart of a sixth grader. So it didn't matter what the topic was or if it was silly or and I just kind of let them, you know, I do a lot of picture book reading in my classroom. And so then I just kind of let them get in pairs and with friends and kind of take off. And they loved it. You know what's happening for me right now is why, why we do special things for other people. Because it builds on our capacity to do special things for other people next time. We did it for this child. Answer and I remember, and we could now do it for Archer. It just flexes that capacity muscle, I think. And we were, and Archer in particular was the beneficiary of those children. So, kids in your sixth grade, around 11, 11 and 12, so they're in pairs coming up with an, a story idea. A story, yeah. I wish I had some of those books right here. I you know, know. I every single one. And they were part of when Archer began doing art. I had all books because they inspired him. They inspired him. Please, please, if there were ever a way that you could get back to your kids of that year to let them know that their books inspired Archer. Family and Friends Update We learned a hard lesson weekend before last that also helped with certainty. Archer thought he could watch Sunday football tilted back in his chair for a few hours, which lulled him to sleep. Neither he nor we thought to weight shift him ourselves, as he usually very fastidiously weight shifts himself by sipping on the tube that tilts the chair back for one minute. The previous Monday morning, when I was learning and doing the shower routine for Archer, I had noticed three pretty big pink spots on his ish at the end of his sacrum under his cheeks. Staff said the location told them he had been in a chair too long without proper weight shifts. I was stunned. The dreaded bed sores? I felt so negligent. We had no idea. 
but of course it makes perfect sense. Shepard's staff wasted no time at all moving into action with every 15-minute wait shifts and two hours in the chair and three hours back in the bed throughout the day for a week and a half. We're still doing that. That's how serious these beginnings of bed sores are treated. I also noticed a small red spot on the outside of his little toes from his new Under Armour shoes, size 11 and a half, a size bigger than what he normally wears to account for swelling. But honestly, like his height, I swear I wouldn't be surprised if his feet have grown too. After all, all my boys grow in August. So no shoes for a week. So we'll need a new pair, size 12 probably, wide, like D, anything to avoid any kind of dreaded skin abrasion. I mean, think about your body. Every time it moves, the blood flows. So if you bruise or cut yourself or wear something too tight, your blood flow restores and heals it. Archer does not have that same blood flow. So he's at real risk for any beginning abrasion or blister or cut, anything. And that reminds me too, Archer's perspiration on his face and chest has been getting really worse. So much so that it's another reason the nights are still punctuated as he's drenched and uncomfortable. I have washed his neck collar twice in the last week. Well, Shepard wants nothing that can lead to skin breakdown, so he has begun taking an anti-sweat medication, propantholine. It's temporary, they say, to get him through this time as his body regulates. I wondered if that medication would have helped with menopause hot flashes. Cataplex G from my nutritionist did the trick for me. But I asked about natural supplements for Archer, but they were not recognized at Shepherd. While Archer's profuse sweating on his face and chest is very different from flashes of hormonal imbalance, I do wonder if this may be another place, though, for influence in the spinal cord injury healthcare field. Natural supplements. Thinking about menopause, I am thinking about Billy and smiling. Oh, he's a good man. It's a funny thing. There is a certain juiciness in missing someone, longing for someone when they're not with you. Well, I laughed and said to Billy recently that I am living in a constant state of longing. It was rich for a while being here in Atlanta and feeling deeply separated from Billy and my other children, knowing how much I love them collectively, as well as very individually. And then I'd see them and it was wonderful. And then being back in Baltimore and yearning to get back to Archer because I missed him as soon as I stepped off the airplane. And then coming back to Shepherd with him and it was wonderful. My goodness, I could tell you some tales of that longing feeling and that pounding in my chest 
when I separate from someone I love. For instance, I recall like it was yesterday, each time in my hometown of Springfield, Illinois, when I'd pull out of the driveway, watching my mom wave goodbye to me as I would leave home again to return to UVA when I was in college. And I would begin to feel the sting of tears as if I might not ever see her again and then calm myself that I loved her so much and it was time to go on. And that same feeling when each of my older children went off to college and I watched them walk away so grown up and felt my heart aching so badly that I thought I'd die on the spot as I waved bravely with a smile on my face as they rounded a corner into the dorm. And then I'd pull myself together, telling myself it was just another rite of passage. Or even that same feeling to this day when we travel as a family in two cars and we get separated on the highway and I feel this little anxious surge in my chest that we've been separated. And then the joy as my heart leaps when we find each other again 15 or 20 minutes later in traffic and we wave and wave and I feel that instant relief of reconnection. It's interesting to me how that achy, almost panicky feeling of loss and separation is oddly like a love elixir as I feel very alive that I have these people in my life I love so much. I mean, what a blessing is that? I am regularly drinking from the loving cup on this journey. Aren't we all so very, very blessed to know the taste of that elixir, to have that feeling of missing our kids or our spouses and our parents so very, very much, and so very, very much looking forward to all being together again. Let's give thanks for those times when we ached that someone left us or we left them, but we knew we would see them again or we trusted that we would. That is faith, whether in this world or heaven, we will see each other again. Tomorrow, I will learn how to do Archer's catheter every four hours and his nightly bowel program, which the staff fondly refer to as the program. It's hard to imagine how to do all this stuff on our own after we leave Shepherd. We will learn. I know we will not be alone. Candles lit in grottos and churches around the world. We are not alone. Every flicker of each small flame warms us and together creates a field of greater unity. And that you were thinking of us when you were on your travels is so humbling that you lit candles in places to which you were returning, like where you met your love or were married 
or had a moment of great joy or clarity. We treasure. I love those pictures you are sending me. We feel it. We really do. And you can feel it with me. Close your eyes now and imagine a beautiful row of small candles, each flame representing one of your intentions. See the colors dancing in the flame and feel the love and hopefulness in your heart. It's the hopefulness that is itself miraculous. Isn't it so? Yes, it is. And it's very real. None of us is alone. And I ask Mary to wrap her loving arms around Archer, as warm and soft as the shawl an angel knit for me with Archer Strong on it, as warm and soft as all your letters and your stories. Thank you for continuing to stand strong. It's been tough this week, and last, I ask for a collaborative team meeting, and we will have it tomorrow. Please, pray for us and for strength and grit that Archer will need to reach for like he has never before for the next number of months here and in Baltimore on this intense rehab journey. Let's say the prayer for a creative miracle. I also attach it in case you did not see it in the YouTube of the boys from McDonough and Loyola after a game a couple weeks ago. Coming together in unity and solidarity for Archer and for each other in prayer. If we played and lived like that, even with fierce competition, but knowing the competition was fun and never to separate us or make us ugly, it would be an amazing world. Well, that world is right here, now. It is not only within reach, it is now. Hashtag Archer Strong, McDonough versus Loyola, 925-15. Prayer for a creative miracle. God of all creation, you who spoke a simple command and brought forth light from the darkness, I call upon you now to send forth your miracle-working power into every aspect of Archer's being. In the same way that you spoke into the dust of the ground when you created humankind in your own image, I ask you to send forth your healing power into Archer's body. Send forth your word and command every cell, electrical and chemical impulse, tissue, joint, ligament, organ, gland, muscle, bone, and every molecule in his body to come under complete and perfect health, strength, alignment, balance, and harmony. It is through you 
that Archer lives and moves and has his being. With every breath he takes, he lives under your life-giving grace. I ask you to touch Archer now with the same miracle-working power that you used when you fashioned him inside my womb. As surely as you have created Archer in your image and likeness, you can also recreate him now and restore his health. Please, fill Archer with your healing power. Cast out all that should not be inside of him. I ask you to mend all that is broken, root out every sickness and disease, open all blocked arteries and veins, restore his internal organs, rebuild his damaged tissues, remove all inflammation, and cleanse him of all infections, viruses, and destructive forms of bacteria. Let the warmth of your healing love flood his entire being so that his body will function the way it was created to be, whole and complete, renewed in your perfect health. I ask this through my Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Dear listeners, I am so grateful to have you on this journey with me. Just knowing you are there, giving your energy, time, and attention to this story brings so much healing to those experiences. And I hope and trust that the healing is reciprocal, that there are parts of your life that resonate, that are touched, and that maybe learn from Archer's journey, as we learned from so many of you. I hope today brings some loving, benevolent awareness to the places in your life that are still in process of healing or that are needing integration. We are complex, interconnected beings. We all carry some trauma, and we all carry resilience as part of our human inheritance in this world. As this episode is coming out, it is the beginning of the new year, and it is a beautiful time to spend some extra time visualizing what choices you want to make in your life, knowing that whatever you set out to do will take the time it needs to take, and we can trust in that timeline. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. Tune in next week for our companion Blink of an Eye Trauma Healing Learning 20, a doula's view on integrative trauma rehabilitation with Jennifer Koenig. Thank you for listening, and thank you for telling your friends about the Blink of an Eye podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing.
You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.